When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. And fired home by Perisic! It's Eric Dyer, bang! Here's Lucas Moura, oh, they did it! Brilliant, and an equaliser from Ben Davis! Neubier! What a strike by Bissouma! Audio's flying in again and wins it. Great work from Romero. What a save by Lloris. Jed Spence. Oh! Off the bar of Jonasson! Oh, guy, Kulisewski! The strike at Gasson! Scores! Crossing Kane! Can you truly believe this? Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you so much for joining us as we count down to the end of the January transfer window. Feels like it's been a very, very, very long month with not too much going on. But I know as Spurs fans, look, we always are very expectant on what a transfer window should bring to the club. If you're listening to the show for the first time, you can find us on iTunes or on Spotify or across all major audio platforms. We're, of course, on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. And joining me once again, my co-host for this Last Word on Spurs transfer special, I'm joined by the brilliant Matty Hayes. Matt, how are you, mate? I'm all good. I'm all good. It's always a pleasure to be down here with you and uh, chatting transfers with Lyle again. We're, we're back in more more familiar surroundings this time. Um, uh, I, I went to try to see if I could find Hoybier in Denmark or Kulisevsky in Sweden, but unfortunately they, they were nowhere to be seen, so I'm, I'm back at home. Um, yeah, yeah, looking forward to a, another fantastic show. To be fair, Matt, you have been quite literally racking up the mileage for us and when you've been doing these shows. One from Copenhagen. <laughs> we'll wait to see where you are for tomorrow. Um, joining <laughs> Matty and myself, delighted to have been back on last one on Spurs. Probably always brings us back down to earth fairly clearly. We've got the brilliant Sky Sports News editor, journalist, the brilliant Lyle Thomas back on last month's Spurs. Lyle, how are you, mate? You well? Not too bad, thank you. Not too bad, yeah. Um, a bit tired, a bit jaded after a very long month, um, but we're getting there. Only a couple yeah. of days, a uh, couple of days and a bit more left. So, and we can, I mean, I've got a cheek saying it's been a long month for us. You must be knackered as well, right? I bet when it comes to an end of a window, I bet you can't wait for the break as well, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's very, it's, 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 
it's a buzz. It really is a buzz, I have to say. And, and it becomes more of a buzz as you get into deadline day, obviously. I mean, you know, the, obviously all the fanfare and everything, but the sort of intensity of it and the volume yeah. of information that we have to sift through and check and, you know, make sure is 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 watertight before we run it. And, you know, obviously the, the speed with which we have to run things um, gets quicker and quicker, obviously, the closer to the deadline that you get, right? So um, it becomes even more of a, of a trickier task to be checking that with all you know all of your sources at the same time while you're getting information in in real time and while things are moving so fluidly um whereas obviously you know you have a bit more time through the rest of the window to to be making those checks and and before you you're absolutely certain about what you're going to say so it's um it is a real delicate balance, balancing act and it, 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 you're you're having to think very quickly on your feet and communicate very well but that's when you're when it's a really good test of your sources right not just mine but us as a company um for us to have um have uh, you know good sources um, you know at the end at the end of well it's usually WhatsApp these days um, to be able to tell us what's happening so um, yeah it's it's a good time it's a good time and then it'll be like crap falling off a cliff at the end of it it's like a huge anticlimax come the next day it's like yeah don't know what to do with yourself on the next day it takes a while to walk up to, to to come down again you know it's quite it's quite funny many people are saying well they are prepared for you to lie to us to make us happier tonight which i know Lyle will never do i know yeah, no. always try and give us a sense of exactly what is going on and again i know Lyle, you've said it's not a case of always being first it is of course being right and we're always lucky to have um there's some great journalists like you that come on and always lucky to have great viewers and new listeners all the time so last one on spurs do you just want to give a bit of an overview low of what you cover at sky for anybody that hasn't heard or viewed or listened to you on last one on spurs before yeah sure so i'm um i'm i'm the new one of the news editors there so um it's yeah my job to to be the custodian of the news really day to day when i'm there on the desk um it's obviously deciding with all our other editors and um and producers and journalists, you know, what the news is going to be on, on, on any given day and, and going and sourcing the news and bringing it in and checking it and making sure it's accurate and making sure it's, uh, you know, legally tight, watertight and things like that. And and then um, and then putting that, that news to air, really, and, um, you know, between our TV production crews and, and online digital production crews and uh, making sure things are consistent and um, and also just being there to, to generally, you know, um, fix problems and be there to, to guide people and, and bring other journalists on as well. There's, there's lots of different elements to my, to my role. And during the transfer window though, I'm the, the sort of the transfer window coordinator. So it's um, coordinating all of our news gathering um, for on transfers um, for every club, for um, you know, every, every, every country, every club that we might be, be focusing on um, and, and looking to pull, pull together all the information really that our, our brilliant group of reporters um, you know, bring together. It's really a, 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 a really nice thing to see during the transfer windows how we work actually because it's a real team effort and everybody comes together really, really well and um, you know shares information. And you'll see, you know, our reporters. There'll be a lot of you know, most stories are worked on by at least you know two reporters most of the time, if not more, pulling together report, um, information from different sources um, to to make sure that we are uh, yeah hopefully you know the most accurate. Uh, and trusted news source for transfers um, out there. That's what we hope, hope to be. It's what we always strive to be. Um, I like to think we are. Um, so, yeah, that's what my role is during the transfer window. That's why it's, um, like I say, very intensive and it's not just about Spurs, although obviously you know, I've done a lot of reporting on Spurs over the years. And um, like I said, it's um, it, yeah, it's uh, my, my my contacts are, uh, are usually, usually good when it comes to Tottenham. So um, I play a, a particular role in getting Spurs... Um, 
yeah, write for Sky Sports News during the during the transfer window and beyond as well. So that's yeah, my, I mean, that's kind of my role at the moment. I mean, what always screams out to us in the comments is there from Michael, you know, brutally honest. And I think you always are on last one on Spurs. You know, you'll shoot things down very quickly if they're not what they are. And I think there's been several times in the last six, seven years that I've known you, Lyle, which you have very quickly just said, look, it's not worth your time. It's not worth your energy investigating it. Just leave it where it is. And I think due to the nature of Spurs as a football club and where we are and the direction we're going, and I just think um, there is an expectation that when these windows come up, that Spurs should always do more business and eventually they do end up doing and sometimes I say this, like, listen, we love having you on. And that frustration sometimes from viewers and listeners, sometimes it's taken out on the wonderful journalists we have because people can't quite believe that that's all we're going to do or that's all we're looking at right now. And I think, again, with Tottenham, you know, what we've seen is we're 29 days into a window. Uh, we've got one through the door so far. I must just quickly uh, name check on recording of this. We are recording on Sunday evening. That's the 29th of January. So I think it's important to put that date on there for everybody's purposes when you're listening back. So you have an idea of where things can ultimately change in a window. Lyle, before we get into the show, I've been blessed obviously to be with you around Sky Sports News on a deadline day. Um, Talking TV asked the question here, Lyle, what what is it like on a deadline day? Because um, I've got to say when I was with you guys for what was it now, the closing of the summer window, the buzz you have through that office is just unreal. I mean, everybody is trying to do what they're doing. Everybody's getting on. It's an incredible feeling in that office. But what is it like, Lyle, for you having to be right, but also having to get that news very quickly, given the nature of the deadline? Yeah, well, like, as I said, it's very intense and, 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 and challenging, but fun. You know, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's brilliant fun. It really, really is. And when and when you get to the end of the day and you, you know, you, and, and you're lucky enough to, to, um, to be seeing us, you know, covering some really exciting transfer stories and the twists and turns. And, you know, obviously you can't predict what kind of uh, twists and turns are going to come. They're, they're inevitable. There's so much uncertainty that's still, that's still there with transfers. So many things that can happen, you know, you know you're really on the, at the whim of what the players want, right? And do they want to go somewhere? Do they not want to go somewhere? Do they want to go somewhere else? Are they waiting for another club to come in? There's all that kind of thing going on. And there's, you know, there's usually something dramatic, at least one, you know, one really dramatic twist on a, on a, on a deadline day. But, you know, what's it like? It's just, it's, it's, it's like a whirlwind. It really is. It's, it's, it's probably one of the longest working day of, of my year. So I'm getting up very, very early in the morning, you know, answering, well, read, yeah, reading and answering the floods of, of messages that I'll get from, from, from sources from all over, you know, all over the, the, the football um, world, really, you know, agents, players, coaches, chief executives, chairman, owners, you know, every, everyone really. And, and it will be carrying on the, the sort of the, the questions I was asking the night before, really, and see what answers are there in the morning. So it's really picking up the phone again and, and, and calling everybody else that, you, that you've that you sort of got to hand that um, is working on a transfer, hopefully, hopefully that's ongoing and finding out what the latest is. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And then once you get an idea, um, so obviously not just me. This is all me and my team of our team of reporters at Sky Sports News. Um, you know, we sort of set a plan in motion for the day. Really, this is what we think we're going to happen uh, is going to happen. And you've got reporters who have got you know a, a strong in different areas with different clubs, so they'll get to work on finding out what's uh, what's happening in that day. And then um, and then obviously we'll be looking to to cover it in real time while it's happening. So. Um, you know, my job, like I said, as, the, as a transfer coordinator is to pull that all together, um, you know, is to is to make sure I'm in constant communication, uh, not just with my own sources, but with all the reporters that we've got and all the other journalists that are working to bring information in. Right. Um, to, to, yeah, to find out what they know and what they're what they're what they're hearing and, uh, and pull it all together to build a picture of what's going on. 
Um, but it's also my role as well, especially now as a news editor, to be um, trying to get as much picture as well as we can of what's going on. So trying to find out where players are. Are they in are they at hotels? Are they at uh, medical facilities? Are they at training grounds? Are they, you know, where, you know, are they at airports landing? It's trying to get that information as well so we can actually get out as much as we can to actually um, to show where, where these players are. I mean, we had a great success on deadline day last time with um, getting um, uh, Pierre-Emerick or uh, um, Aubameyang outside uh, um, outside his med- doing his medical um so you know we've had some good some good wins in that in that we would say in that uh, in, in that way before and you know hopefully we can get one or two in the next couple of days as well as to be to be able to show you where where these players are and um and what's happening no pressure i hope you're very very busy whether it's you or one of your esteemed colleagues paul gilmore busy outside hotspur way all day, all night, and we'll have to give, forgive Paul and get him wherever he needs to stay there for the day, for the evening in Enfield. Um, Lol, look, I know many want us to open up the floor with regards to transfers. We are going to come on to transfers, but let's just start from towards the top of the football club, and that's in relation to Antonio Conte. Now, we're a week on from the interview that, again, you kind of very kindly commented on with last one Spurs on a tweet with relation to the uh, interview with Damasio, where um, originally the article... Well, it suggested that Conte was going to definitely be leaving at the end of the season. Now, we've got an amendment to that article, as we knew four or five hours later after that, where essentially we heard that contract talks were on standby now and maybe would be revisited at the end of the season. So I'm just really keen to understand from you, Lyle, where we do stand on Antonio Conte's future and whether you do believe he will be the Spurs manager come the start of next season. Well, yeah, that was um, an interesting few days, wasn't it? Really, I think it was this time last week, wasn't it? Last weekend, I think that um, yeah, last Sunday, that, yep, that that emerged. Um, you know, I woke up to to sort of reading what everybody was else was reading, which was what Gianluca Damasio had allegedly said. Um, but I think it's there just needs to be a bit of caution here. I mean, I know that there is a lot of um, a lot of gossip, a lot of rechurning of of um, of things that are being reported out there, um, and a lot of um, yeah, reportage of what people have supposedly said, especially in foreign languages that, that get translated and get mistranslated. And, and really that was having spoken to, to, to Gianluca that morning, that was really the feeling of what had happened was what he'd said had actually been mistranslated. And again, it's part, it's part of my role as a, as a news editor to be making sure that translations are absolutely spot on. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it, what, what it is, whether it's, you know, quotes that you're picking up from a newspaper or whether it's actually something that somebody said. You know, it's 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 part of a responsible journalist's job, and not just to be using Google Translate for something and and putting it out there. Because even though Google Translate is obviously a very modern, successful tool in translating, it it, it doesn't pick up necessarily the nuances of language and and and, and what people mean uh, behind what they say. And that's very important, I think. So it's very easy for things to get slightly um, slightly twisted for that. You know, paraphrasing, as we say, things to be paraphrased and actually. You know, the more times that they're repeated, they get they 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 get slightly changed. So, I think what um, yeah, I think Demarzo he, he he clarified it himself, and obviously I put out a clarification on his behalf as well that um, it was just his prediction based on the situation, based on his reading of the situation and how things were at Spurs that that he didn't think or doesn't think that Conte will will continue next season, but that doesn't mean for sure that he won't. You know, um, there's still obviously a lot to happen between now and then. You know, um, it's, it's obviously been a, a difficult period, I think, for him personally with the with, with some personal losses that he's gone through and 
you know it's been a it's been a difficult period in terms of um, the team. He's obviously away from his family. There's you know there's lots of elements to it. So it's not just an exact science to say well this is what's going to happen and this is what's not going to happen. I don't think we're at that stage yet. I think that's obviously something that will will come at the end of the season when you know he he, he will sit down with the with um with the Tottenham board and with Daniel Levy and and, and Fabio probably and 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 discuss you know what the best the best way forward is, you know, and there's a lot to happen between now and then, you know, the Spurs are fighting across three fronts. There's still, I mean, I was listening to Jamie Carragher talking about it last week and, and he was sort of saying he doesn't, he doesn't know what the issue is really. He doesn't think that there should be an issue at Spurs at the moment, really. He doesn't know, understand what necessarily from the outside looking in, what all the arguing is about. And I was listening to that and thinking, actually, I think I, I think I quite agree with some of what he was saying and that, um, you know, there is a lot of there has been a lot of noise about uh, disagreements or, or bad air uh, yeah. at Spurs. That I think actually, if you if you if you sort of take a step back and and uh, really really think about it, there's some things that really should people should just step put aside and, and and carry on because Spurs could still have a successful season. I think that's the the, the core of what Jamie said. Jamie Carrick said, you know, they're still in the Champions League, still fighting for a top four place, and they are as Tottenham are really whereabouts they kind of should be. I mean, I know a lot of people really hoping and, and 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 wishing for Tottenham to be pushing for the title this year, especially after spending some money in the summer. But we're in a situation now, I think, where football clubs are spending, you know, north of 100 million a summer just to stay where they are. I mean, if if, if there's a lot of clubs that have, have spent a lot of money and, and, and are really just doing so to tread water that, you know, because the other clubs are, are also spending money and, you know, reaping the rewards of them. Um, have a few transfer windows of work, not just one. And I know Antonio Conte has been around for a while, right? But they've had they've had two transfer windows technically, and then this being the third. But they've only had one summer transfer one window, one real transfer window where they were able to make an actual sort of sizable, take a sizable chunk out of the squad and, and replace it with some other players. And I think that needs to happen again, really, um, for Spurs to really necessarily be up there. But yeah, to go back to your question, you know. Um, all these things are going to play a part in, I think, what is decided in the summer. You know, where Spurs are coming into the season, where do they finish? Uh, how they manage to get to the last stages of the Champions League and the FA Cup? Could they even win an FA Cup um, come the end of the season? That's all going to add to a positive, more of a positive vibe, right? Um, and and yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting, but it's impossible to predict, I think, at this stage. Just before Matty comes in, there's just a final thing for me, Lyle. Then, in, in terms of the relationship, as you understand it, that that's still as healthy as can be at the moment, that relationship. We understand, obviously, Matt's going to ask you about Paratigi because, it, as we understand, Conte feeds into Paratigi exactly the message he wants to deliver to Daniel Levy. So, just so we're clear before Matt asks you about that, from your perspective, the relationship there, there's no concerns at this immediate moment because, obviously, it felt like there was a contract on the table to be signed, ideally during that pre-World Cup period. And given the nature of Spurs' form before this recent uplift, I must say, before this recent uplift, there were suggestions that that contract was no longer on the table. Do you understand if there's still a contract on the table for Conte to sign to extend to the club? If there would have been before this pre World Cup break, and that's been taken away now. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's anything um, in terms of actually something being on the table. I think it was more a case of Tottenham. I mean, from Tottenham's point of view, things are a bit unsettled, and I think, I think it, that actually everything would be better if things had settled down. And the best way for that to happen is for Conte to confirm his long-term future, right? Absolutely. Sign a long-term contract, yep. predict, you know, yep. to, to, to commit himself to Spurs for a long-term period. That, that would that would logically settle everything down. So, you know, the fact that he's not doing that is obviously going to create a certain amount of um, 
of uncertainty and, un and, and and keeping you know the the, the ship a little bit un unsteady you know that's so that's that's normal for the situation that they're in right um so you know in terms of the relationship yeah obviously i think the relationship would be improved if if he did sign a long-term contract now and did settle things down and 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 and, uh, and and commit for for a few years but um you know that the information that came from Gianluca was that he's not ready to do that yet and so you have to respect that right everybody has to respect that if he's not ready to sit down and talk about that as i said you know there's a lot that's happened in the last year um i think for him on a personal level as well as a professional level so if he's not ready and willing and, and thinking about um you know not sure where his long-term term future is going to be then it has to wait but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not committed this season i think it's clear that he is and i think that um i think spurs have had a little bit of a reset over the last sort of week or two i think since that whole thing came out i think there was some clearly clearly air sorts of discussions between everybody and i think they've reaped the benefits of that in the last week with two wins right of beating fulham and beating preston um it's ended on a positive week i think um Tottenham really should settle at least for the rest of the season now, and uh, and really just just concentrate on what's um, what's still to come, which is a lot. And like I said, which could still be a, a successful season, I think. Um, so yeah, yeah. Look, Conte is his future is something that has been under scrutiny really since since the first couple of months in his time at Tottenham. I'll look back to that night at Turf Moor when um, when he said some comments that worried us. But I think throughout all of this, including of course the way that Antonio Conte came into the club, is that. His, his time at Spurs has been very heavily intertwined, as Ricky alluded to there, with uh, with Fabio Paratici. Um, now, he was thrust into the spotlight in the last week or so. Uh, we all knew about that investigation ongoing in Italy um, regarding some irregularities with uh, transfers. And uh, Fabio Paratici was subsequently banned by the Syria FIGC prosecutor uh, for 30 months uh, of all footballing activity in Italy. Uh, further reports have suggested that uh, FIFA and UEFA may be about to extend that ban uh, to European and worldwide, which would of course affect Prachi and his um, and his time at Tottenham. Uh, can you can you give us the latest on this? Um, if if you know anything about whether that ban could be extended, does it affect Spurs in in terms of doing business? I think mainly in the moment in in Italy. Um, and I suppose if if you expect uh, Prachi to to remain at the club, yeah. Well, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And it is. Um... It is concerning, I think, um, a little bit, um, just in terms of his his practice's sort of long term future. But there's still a lot to happen, you know, and, and it's quite complicated. And the way I understand it at the moment is that he's obviously banned from 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 practicing in the game in Italy for 30 months. But he, as I understand it, intends to appeal that ban uh, with the rest of the officials that are involved and and Juventus because uh, Juventus are considered their sort of their own. Juventus as a club is considered its own entity or its own uh, its, own, its own person. It's considered almost like a person in, in this sort of uh, ongoing um, this ongoing uh, case. Um, and as far as I understand it, they all intend to appeal. And what this these are the sporting sanctions that have been that have been imposed. These are not any criminal sanctions. They're not any um, it's nothing to do with the 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 actual the law. This is sporting sanctions that have been imposed so far. So. Um, they have to appeal to the Italian Olympic Committee, which is the sort of last refuge of appeal against sporting sanctions in Italy. As I understand, it's called CONI, uh, C-O-N-I. Um, and that process will take some time. So we're not going to know really um, whether Paratici and the rest of the Juventus officials and Ju Juventus, whether their ban um, sticks for that length of time until that appeal has, um, has happened. But as I understand it, that appeals court can only decide whether... Um, whether the decision 
to enforce those um, those bans was the right one or the wrong decision based on things like procedure and evidence and things like that. They can basically turn around and say, you didn't follow procedure properly or there was indiscrepancies here, there and the other and elsewhere. So yeah, the punishment that you've laid out um, doesn't stand for now, go back and do it again, essentially, uh, is, is, is the way I understand that situation. So that's gonna take some time. But in the meantime, as I understand it, Conte, uh, not Conte, sorry, uh, Paratici, um, can't um, can't practice in, in in Italy, so you know of course that's an issue. He's very strong in Italy, um, you know that's where he's from, that's where his best contacts are, obviously, and his relationships are uh, because of the amount of time that he worked there for Juventus. So, you know that's it's just it's certainly not ideal, but it doesn't stop him from um, from carrying out his job um, at the moment with for Tottenham. Now, in terms of FIFA and UEFA, what has to happen there is the Italian FA have to contact. FIFA and UEFA, and it will be FIFA, I think, that lead the lead on this rather than UEFA. UEFA, I think UEFA would probably follow FIFA's um, lead on this, and it will be up for up to um, the, the Italian FA to contact FIFA and to recommend to FIFA that this ban um, be um, continued in whichever jurisdiction, whichever national association the the said person, whoever that is, obviously in this case Pratici, is is working under. And I don't think the Italian FA are going to do that until this appeals process has is, 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 is gone through. So I think, obviously, it, it's, it's a waiting game, really, to see how serious this may be or not. That's how I understand it at the moment. Uh, it's not, you know, we're not going to really know the full extent of this, I don't think, until, well, for a while yet, for a few more months at least, I would have thought. So there's a lot to play out. But very complicated situation. Uh, obviously, um, Paratici is, de- de- is denied any wrongdoing at any time, as have all the, the Aventus officials um, who are involved. They've all you know, denied that, that they've done anything wrong. So um, there's a lot to, yeah, a lot to still play out in that. But, it, you know, it's it's a concern. As I understand it, you know, Tottenham were, were always, I think, aware of this process that has been ongoing. They've always been aware of it. Um, I think the ban and the length of the ban, uh, and I think that the punishments were served out, I think caught everybody by surprise a little bit. I mean, I don't think Juventus expected to have such a points deduction. Uh, I mean, I was following what was happening and the, it was being reported in Italy on that sort of hearing on that day. And I think the recommendation was for a, a less than less of a points deduction that they actually got. So I think it, will, it all uh, all took people by surprise a little bit. But um, yeah, as I said, to cut a long story short, there's still a lot to play out. Um, yeah. Just a final question on that, because um, I've, I've seen a few kind of uh, discrepancies in this on uh, across different news outlets. Do you know if the ban in Italy is in effect while the appeals process is underway? As I understand it, I think so. Yes, that's how I understand it, and I, I, have, I have checked that out with um, with different sources in Italy, and they they all seem to think that um, that that is the case. That um, the, the ban is sort of upheld, if you will, while the appeals process is ongoing. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I, that's how I understand it to be. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that would be the case, which is more bad news, but just adds to the, to the uncertainty and to the, uh, the the doubt over Tottenham's future. Well, what should also be said, though, is that pa- Fabio is not the only person that can negotiate on behalf of Tottenham. I mean, Daniel Levy, the chairman, can do that. You know, Rebecca Capelhorn can do that. There are intermediaries <laughs> that can do yeah. that. I thought it was cheer us up, Lyle. <laughs> 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 that's not your can I just say that's not your fault, but when people just heard that they thought when you said Daniel could also do the deals, I could hear I could just hear a massive groan, an audible groan, not from not from you, but from the audience that are viewing, listening and watching this, thinking, Oh my god. But I mean you know, make that before Matt comes in on about Porro, just to be very clear on that, Lyle. I mean, from your understanding then 
Paratigi has still been operating as per normal, see, apart from Italy, with agents during this window, as if obviously going on about his business still without any issues apart from Italy, right? Well, yeah, he's only banned in Italy, so he can he can carry on working in any other in any other country. Yeah, perfect. Well, look, let's let's move on to transfers. Um, it's the that's on everybody's lips at the moment and Tottenham do look set to finally and I emphasize the word finally complete their uh, second signing in the January transfer window after reaching a full agreement with Sporting to sign right back Pedro Paro who made his uh, his final appearance for the club last night in their cup final defeat to Porto um, this is one that has, that has dragged on for for quite a while while with Tottenham locked in negotiations with um, with Sporting for over a month uh, to be honest uh, look he's, he looks set to sign a five-year deal after saying goodbye to the fans after that game. And the good news, I suppose, that he was keen on this move. Um, kind of from, from the beginning of all this, we were hearing that that he did want to to make this move to Tottenham. Um, there's been a few uh, different reports on how much the fee actually is. There's some saying that uh, it was a release clause that was triggered, some saying that release clause wasn't um, actually coming into effect until um, until the summer. So this was a, a two-part question. Um, do you know how much that fee actually was? And secondly, uh, when do you expect this one to be announced so the Spurs fans can can turn off those notifications? <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's, there's still a bit of work to do on this. I'm still waiting for final confirmation that this is this is done and that his you know medicals booked in and everything like that. So, I think um, there was some some progress yesterday um, and this morning, and I think there seems to be a more of a willingness on all sides for this deal to be done uh, than perhaps there was 48 hours ago. I mean, um, it's it's been a very frustrating time, I think, for everybody involved. It's, it's become frustrating for me to listen to what's been going on. And never mind the people involved in the negotiations. You know, I actually do actually have a have a, a you know a small a degree of sentiment for the people that have been involved, really, because it has dragged on. And I know Tottenham have been frustrated with Sporting, and a lot of the the sentiment that's been coming through to me really is that Sporting have been potentially, well, I think overly difficult with it, really, actually. And that, I mean, it, it all ties into the fact that they just wanted to keep the player. I mean, he's obviously great them he's a fantastic player and he's had a good season and you, you touched on earlier you know why Poro's coming in um you know now and didn't come in in the summer um you know he's had a great first half of the season he's really developed very quickly so um you know that's why Spurs want to sign him now he was impressive against them in the Champions League um so so yeah listen as I said a willingness on all sides I think to finally get this done but we're still waiting for final confirmation that this has all been wrapped up so um, I'm still waiting to hear that that you know I've not had the message to say deal done yet. I've not had the message to say medicals booked in yet. Um, I know they want to do it, um, and and you know they'll be planning to they'll be making those medical plans and um, to be able to to be in position to get it done quickly. But um, yeah, as I said, this stage is a really fluid situation. So I'm just sort of um, yeah waiting for that um, to for the for the relief message. Yeah, everything's fine and he's coming in. I'm still waiting mm. for that at the moment. I so, mean. Uh, We've seen it even now when medicals have been booked in, when arguably players have actually even been holding a shirt. You still shouldn't take it for granted until you actually have got that registration. We've seen that this week, most certainly. But I think sure. the question maybe for some law is that why and how have the goalposts been moved? I mean, again, listen, I know from your end, you're still waiting for the final green light on it. But, you know, there have been many screaming thinking there's a release clause of a player. Why not pay that release clause to get the player in early? When arguably my frustration has always been Spurs have had two of their biggest games this month in City and Arsenal, in which they've lost the six points. Now, I'm not just saying if Pero, if Pero was here from January the 1st, Spurs would have won those games. But I think there's always an argument that, you know, you want to 
do your business so you're in a better position as soon as you possibly can. And we've seen in previous windows, for example, in Liverpool, I think Van Dijk, they had a pre-agreement in place where the player would automatically join as soon as the window would open. So what, from like I say, I know you've had a lot laugh on both sides and I think people are laughing in the comments, the, ir- the irony that Spurs are frustrated by how long this deal was taken, given what Spurs are like during negotiations. But what has been the big sticking point and where have maybe goalposts been moved as far as you understand it to date at the moment? Well, listen, there is a general narrative around Spurs, isn't there, that they are frustrating to deal with themselves. And obviously Spurs fans can get very frustrated about the way that Tottenham potentially do business, right? But that's not to, you know, that's not to rule out that other clubs can't be equally as frustrating. So I think... um, yeah, to be given, you know, Spurs be given a certain amount of slack. The, the the way I understand it now, I'd love to be able to sit here and go through every single aspect technically of Pedro Porro's contract and this release clause. But it, it first of all, it's highly confidential. Um, I know there's been a lot of noise about it. I know there's been no, a lot of speculation as to, well, you know, how much is it? How much should Tottenham pay? In what instalments should they pay? And all that kind of thing. There's always going to be that kind of noise, always that kind of speculation. But I don't think anybody other than the people who have seen Pedro Porro's contract know exactly what the situation is. The situation, as I understand it, is that the difficulty has been around this release clause. And under what conditions can that release clause be triggered? Um, so that it can only be triggered under certain conditions. So not, it's not a case of saying... Well, you have to agree to this. You have to go. You have to agree to that. In the first instance, I think it's what what is actually in the contract, and then obviously they can discuss. You know, if 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 it's not possible to trigger that release clause, what the way around it is. What you know, what 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 is a, another version of the deal that they can make that everybody's happy with, and that's what we they've been trying to trying to do. And listen, it's been described as going around in circles, uh, you know, for a long time. Um, but I think over the last couple of days, there's been some some encouragement, some progress, some positivity in those negotiations that have led us to this point where it feels like we're, we're, we're getting to the stage where this is going to be going to be finally um, agreed. Um, that's, that's as much as I understand that, that it's been about the release clause. The release clause is 45 million euros, 39 million pounds. That is, that is the valuation of the release clause. But as I said, it's about um, under what conditions can that release clause be triggered? It's not as simple as just, bosh, here you go, on the table. Hmm. Well, it's a lot. Thank you so much for that update. We shall wait for the breaking news of Sky, the yellow ticker, of course. What we are going to do is we are going to go for our first break of the show for our listeners on audio. Hi, everyone. Crackers here with your events update for 2023. Friday the 24th of February, Gary Mabber at the Rodgers Club in Chessington. Friday the 3rd of March, Harry Redknapp at Cambly Heath Golf Club. Go to echo61.co.uk for further details. Friday the 10th of March, Steve Sedgley, Tony Galvin, Phil Bill are at Dartford FC for South East Thames Spurs Supporters Club. Friday the 17th of March, Glenn Hoddle is at Bedwars Rugby Club. That's for South Wales Spurs. Emerald Spurs events on Facebook have... On Friday the 24th of March, Michael Dawson at Row Park Resort, Limavardi. And then on Saturday the 25th of March, Gary Mabber at the Bonington Hotel in Dublin. Worcester Spurs, the official supporters club there, Friday the 28th of April. Glenn Hoddle is at Worcestershire County Cricket Club. 
If you go to at Mr. Cracknell across the socials, please take a look on there for posters of these events and further ticket details. Come on, you Spurs. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organizations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions, but also how to benchmark, train and retain them. Phoenix 51, powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey. Well, look, if Power was set to be your second signing, um, it was Arnott and Juma Loyal who was the first in uh, a crazy, crazy deal that Tottenham have been the, the victim of so many times in the past, as Willian springs to mind. Um, but we did hijack that deal from Everton, and we, we had to wait until the 71st minute of yesterday's FA Cup triumph against Preston North End to, to see the debut. Uh, he came on taking Perisic's uh, position in the centre of that front three um, after Sessegnon was taken off and he marked his, his debut with a goal. Uh, the first Tottenham player to do that since uh, Stephen Bergwijn. I was actually looking at a, a list of Tottenham players who scored on their debut and I, I, I kind of wish Danjuma hadn't, but look, I digress. Um, look, Kante is, is a man, of course, who, who always wants um, that, that, that immediate impact and he's a player that we're hearing or uh, we're hearing that Danjuma is a player that Conte really, really wanted. Um, with some big games left in Tottenham season, like you mentioned earlier, fighting on all three fronts, uh, with a big game against Manchester City coming next week, this could prove to be uh, a key, key signing. Um, I suppose, first of all, from, from your point of view, do you know if this was um, a Conte or, or a club signing, which is a question I think Tottenham fans ask, but with every transfer, and is, is there any insight you could offer us into into how this deal actually actually happened for Spurs? Well, as I understand it, he was on the list of agreed targets at the beginning of the window um, for those positions. Obviously, we said, didn't we, in the in in the, the podcast we had on the twenty eighth? I think it was the twenty eighth when we when we spoke that um, yep. the priority was obviously to get another forward in, um, which is obviously something they were looking to do at the end of the summer as well, and to get um, another right wing back in to get to get Poro in. Um, so, yeah, he was on the list of agreed targets. Uh, as, the way I understand it is that it seemed like Tottenham moved quite quickly for Dan Juma, I think, after they realised that Zaniolo was going to be too difficult to do. Um, that's my understanding of it, that they'd, um, they'd obviously made an offer to, uh, to, I think it was a verbal offer to Roma, uh, to try and get um, get Zaniolo, but um, they couldn't agree on the conditions, I think, of making that um, making that, per- that permanent in the summer. Obviously, uh, Tottenham will always try and put performance incentive um, triggers on there before making that, that permanent, rather than just a simple, you know, straightforward obligation regardless of how he does I mean Daniel is a talented player but he's had some some injury problems over the last few years his form's been up and down you know he's still young he's still got potentially got a good career ahead of him and a very talented lad but I think before you want to commit a lot of money to signing someone like Daniel I think you want to see him in action a little bit first and get a little bit more of a reassurance that he's going to fulfill that potential before you do it so I think the Dan Juma deal makes sense because they've obviously got him on loan um, under the conditions that they want um and uh, again, a player who's got something to prove, I think, in the Premier League after his sort of limited limited exposure over here before, has uh, done well at Villarreal. Um, yeah, another talented guy, another talented player who, who if his application's there, um, could be a real really good player, I think, and uh, gives Tottenham that that sort of that extra option um, and and, uh, and strength in depth, I think, for the rest of the season when they're going to be, like I said, fighting across three three different competitions. Um, 
I don't think Brian Hill was quite there. It was quite that. I know Conte was obviously trying him and saw some some potential in him, but I think I don't think he's quite there. I think Brian Hill. I don't think um, he's he's been difficult for him. I think since he wasn't able to get out in the summer because I think he really wanted to go back to Spain and get back to playing regularly for a while and get himself in a in a good in a good place again. Um, and so I think it makes sense to to bring him in and and I think maybe Brian Hill will go on loan finally before the end. Um, so yeah. Good to see him mark his uh, debut with the goal. Yeah, for sure, Dan Juma. Uh, nice little finish. Not sure if he definitely meant to put it in that corner. I couldn't quite tell. Um, you guys maybe have a have a have a theory. It looked like he was going for the, the other corner and it kind of yeah, spooned off his foot into the other corner. But hey, you'll take a goal when you're on your debut, however it goes in. Absolutely. Not question it. <laughs> no, we're not going to question it. We're not. Laugh. thank you so much then. So in relation to Brian Hill, then we'll see what happens. Um, you've answered really where we are with Nicolo Zaniolo. So your understanding, of course, is once Spurs found that deal to be too difficult to do, they turned their attention to Dan Juma. Um, yeah, back- so it was interesting because we were following the Dan Juma one quite closely. And we obviously everybody thought he was going to Everton, right? And he was going to Everton, but there's a, a sort of a whole sequence of events. I mean, this, this sort of goes into the excitement of the transfer window and how things can change because... All signs pointed in to him going to Everton, and Everton sacked their manager. And we we understand that Frank Lampard was actually quite influential in bringing Dan Juma into to Everton, and of course he wasn't there anymore. So I think the the um, I think the combination of of the Zaniolo thing looking too difficult to do, and 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 them looking to move on to other targets, and Dan Juma. Well, I think they they probably everybody thought he would already be in the door at Everton by that point, and he wasn't. So. I think they looked at looked at it again and thought, "Hang on, we can get him here. Let's get him in." And uh, and so they pulled him away from it from Everton and 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 got him to um, to Spurs. The other thing to say is as well as I think that, and this this sort of ties into the fluidity of the transfer window, especially from a Spurs point of view, is that they've had their priorities, players they wanted to bring in, but they've also been looking at players that they've liked for a long time, or players they might be looking to bring in in the summer and whether they can bring them in now. Is the opportunity there to bring these players in now? Players that they've that are sort of long-term targets. That's why you've seen people like Piero Hinchape involved and mentioned. That's why you've seen Zaniolo's name mentioned. You know, that's why uh, people like um, James Madison's name, I think, has come up as well. Um, you know, they will, they will if, if the opportunity is there to bring in players now that they want to bring in in the summer or have been long-term targets, then they, they, they would have had a little bit of a go. And I think that's what the case is with Zaniolo. Um, but it's just hasn't, yeah, it, the, the deal hasn't suited them. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll have a look at it again in the summer, especially if he goes somewhere else and plays. That mentioned there, Piero and Chappie brings us nicely onto, onto the next question. And I think right wing back is, is a position that a lot of Tottenham fans have, have wanted us to, to improve in the starting 11 for, for the last year, year and a bit. And another one of those is is in that centre-back position. Now, Antonio Conte himself seemingly ruled out a move for a centre-back earlier in the window. But with Eric Dyer out of form, Davinson Sanchez down the pecking order, despite that uh, that improved performance with the captain's armband uh, at deep day last night. Jaffa Tanganga uh, struggling to get game time, seemingly considered a, a backup where needed. Uh, Clement Longley, his loan to Barcelona, as as we understand from uh, last summer, doesn't include uh, an option to buy within that deal. Um, will Spurs go for him? Will Spurs look elsewhere? We don't know, but uh, Piero Chappie is one that, that has been mentioned heavily, and I think there were some reports today from from Build that Tottenham had indeed made a verbal offer of £25 million for the player. Um, he's attracted a lot of interest from, from a lot of clubs all around Europe, and 
there's a release clause in there of 80 million pounds, which I think was probably put in from from Leverkusen, not expecting anyone to trigger that to uh, to benefit themselves. Um, do do you think uh, this is one that Spurs could go with, maybe in in a similar move to how we got Sar from Metz, with the, the player being loaned back to to, Ger- to Germany late for the for the rest of the season? I'm not sure. I'm not. I've not heard that it's the deal that Tottenham are working on really, and and now before the end of the window. So I'd be surprised if they suddenly went in and did it. I'm not aware that they are working on that. I think all the attention has been on Poro and all the effort has been in uh, towards Poro. And I think that it's you know that will be the one that they do before the deadline. Um, you know, he's a left-footed centre half. Tottenham already have two of those uh, at the moment. Obviously, Longlet is on loan. They, they you know, long term they want to sign a top left-footed centre half. But they have other they have other targets as well. You know, I think we went through them last time. You know, the players like um, Josko Guardiol, mm. uh, Bastoni. You know, yep. these are top the top left-footed centre halves, and their futures will be back on the agenda again in the summer. And Spurs, I'm sure, will be looking to have a go at seeing if they can get them in the summer. Um, so, yeah, I think the Hinchape thing was has been raised again because of what I said. The, the, the chance to get a player who's also a target, which he is, is on the list in now. Um, but I, I think I think it's 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 going to be too difficult to do. I don't think Bayer Leverkusen want to want to part with him now. Before I ask you about departures, Lyle, probably one question many want addressing or answering in the elephant in the room is: Spurs look like they're going to bring in the two. Obviously, of course, Dan Jumori here, Poro hoping to be over the line. As you understand it, as again I'll name it again, we're recording here on Sunday evening, 29th of January. Do you expect Spurs to have any more incomings? Apart from, Poro. Apart from Apart from Poro and Dan Juma coming in, any chance of any more incomings? I'm not as far expecting. As you understand it. It. I'm not expecting. I'm not. I'm not anticipating it unless suddenly, some, suddenly something be, you know emerges and that they can go for out of nowhere, which is you know you're never going to rule that out. Uh, I'm, I'm not anticipating. I'm cer- certainly not really in my in my mind at the moment. Okay. No problem at all. We know there's been a few, I must say, this all these towards the end of the show, if Laura doesn't mind. There's been a few um, recent stories breaking about Tottenham being potentially linked to a couple of players. One, I believe, uh, Jude Bellingham's brother, which has come up in the last couple of hours. And another one, which is a Chelsea under-21 lad that I will just say the name. So, Lowell, maybe there's a chance before the end of the show that I can obviously let him know on. This is uh, regarding Jude Sunset Bell. Um, again, player that's quite highly valued in terms of the under-21s. Um, but again, we'll ask all that towards the end of the show. If he doesn't mind, um, let's turn. I think the focus. These, are, these are going to be academy signings, aren't they? So it's yeah, not, it's yeah, yeah. It's really come yeah, across my a, radar. Okay, no problem at all. That's fine. Um, first team only. <laughs> no problem. First team. Okay, no, absolutely fine. No problem at all. Let's turn our attention in Lyle to Wolves' outgoings. Obviously, we said that about Pedro Porro, one that we're hoping will eventually be announced imminently. Um, that would mean Spurs are going to be overloading that right back area. Of course, having Emerson Royale. Matt Doherty and Jed Spence, meaning there'll be four players for that position once, hopefully, Pedro Porro joins. Um, I think Sky and you as well have widely reported that Jed Spence has been given the green light to potentially leave the club on a straight loan with no option of a buy. Um, Is that how you understand it currently? And if so, where do you feel Jed Spence could end up before the end of the window? Well, yeah, he's available for loan, um, especially if Porro comes in. Um, Which club is a good... Good. It's a good question. Um, there's been a lot of reports of a lot of interest from a lot of clubs. Um, I can tell you for sure that it won't be Brentford or Leicester. Um, I've seen them mentioned. There is, I think there have been 
a lot of clubs mentioned, some of which are looking for right-backs this month in the Premier League, some of which aren't. I mean, Leicester and Brentford haven't been looking to bring in right-backs in this, in this window. It's not been priorities for them. Their priorities have been other positions. Um, the teams that still want to bring in right-backs um, this month, if they can, as far as I understand it, are, I think, Palace. Um, who else is there? Hang on, I've got it on my list, actually, somewhere. Palace. Um, Wolves, maybe West Ham. Um, I think they've all been looking for for you know to strengthen in right back. Arsenal have obviously he's not going to go there. Newcastle have he's not going to go there either. Tottenham are not going to let Spence go and join Newcastle and do well there um, at their at their cost. So it's going to be you know sort of one of the bottom half teams in the Premier League that Spurs aren't going to be battling it out for the position positions. Um, so um, good question. Who's he go for? At this point, I have no idea who, where he's going to go at the, at the moment um, and whether there's something along the line or not with one particular club. Um, let's wait and see. Um, but he's he's certainly on the market for a loan. Yeah. Uh, in terms of other potential departures from the club, we have seen reports that Tottenham will, quote, accelerate their efforts to replace Hugo Lloris after a series of uh, very high-profile errors in the in the last couple of months. Uh, Brentford's David Raya and Brighton's Robert Sanchez, um, both of whom excel in possession, uh, on the quite opposite uh, side of the spectrum to, to Hugo Lloris. Um, there are also options. Uh, do you see any of these being a potential option in, in this window or will this most likely be a situation the club will look at at the summer and could Lloris's future be um, be under scrutiny when we get to that point as well? Yeah, well, this is a summer thing, isn't it? I think we talked about this last time, didn't we? We talked about um, uh, the goalkeeper situation. I think I said that it is obviously time for, for Spurs generally long-term to find their new Hugo Lloris. It's not something they're going to do before the end of the window, but yeah, come the summertime. I mean, you mentioned a few names there and um, there's a lot of players that they still need to watch develop, I think, for, for the next six months. Um, I think David Raya would be a good fit. I think I think Tottenham should really, if, if it was up to me, which it obviously isn't, but if it was up to me, I would have a, a real good go at getting David Raya. He's a very, very good goalkeeper. Um, I think with a, with a good long-term future, he's, he's the right kind of player, great with the ball at his feet. Certainly, if you want to play out from the back, I think he's ideal. Um, great shot stopper. You know, I think I think statistically, he's either the best performing goalkeeper or certainly one of them in the league this year. Um, and definitely, definitely a huge part of the reason that Brentford are doing as well as they are. Um, you know, Brentford, very, very good at picking players, very, very good at talent spotting, very, very good at developing players. Um, so if you want to look for good, good up and coming players that are still young, um, and that's what Tottenham. That's what Tottenham predominantly shop for. Then Brentford's a great place to look. So yeah, but to answer your question, it's a summer thing, yeah, for sure. The goalkeeper situation. Uh, moving into the middle of the park and to, to Pat Matter, Sar. Um, I think a lot of Spurs fans are, are scratching their heads, wondering how we go from Sar starting uh, an extremely important North London derby to a couple of weeks later not even making a twenty-man squad uh, for for an FA Cup tie at Preston. There had been some rumours that Salernitana uh, in Italy had been interested in in a loan move for Sar. Some other reports saying that Conte got to work a lot with Sar over the, the World Cup break and, and became a, a real big fan of the player. He joined, uh, what is it, a year and a half ago at this point when, when Nuno Espirito Santo was in charge, but 18 months on, still struggling for, for first-team football at Tottenham. Do you expect to see Sar potentially leave on loan in this window? Yeah, I think that could happen. Um, it was obviously a bit of a giveaway, I think, that he wasn't in the squad. I think he's also had Genoa and um, who's the other club? Espanyol, I think, as well, I'd heard. We're also looking at trying to bring him in on loan. I'm not sure if all those three clubs are still there at the table. 
or whether it'll be one of them. Uh, again, that's something that we need to find out over the next few days, really, where he's going to go. But those three clubs have definitely been interested. Um, I think I think from Tottenham's point of view, and I think from his point of view as well, he's been quite keen to stay in the Premier League. So I think they've been waiting to see if they get to the end of the window and there's a Premier League club who's missed out on target, you know, one, two, three for the central midfield position and might actually come around to, to looking to bring Saar in on loan. Um, I don't know factually whether there is a club that have reached that point yet. Um, I mean, again, I could go through my my, my spreadsheet um, of which clubs are are still looking for central midfielders, um, looking for players like that. I mean, Palace are looking for players like that, but they I think they're still hoping to bring in the guy from Stuttgart, Ahamada. Um, so, yeah, I'm just speculating now at this point about where he, he could potentially go, but... I think Conte does like him, and so I think if you know, if you think about his long-term future and whether he has one at Spurs, I think so. But he needs to keep on playing. So if, he, if he's not going to play regularly at Spurs, um, then then um, now Ben Tancor's back fit, and Basuma again, I think looked um, looked decent. I think in that Preston game, and and uh, and Hoiberg and Skipper both fit. Then uh, then Saar finds it a bit more difficult, doesn't he, to get to get regular games? So I think a, a loan move, another loan move, would suit him at this point. We've seen some rumours, Lyle, in the last couple of days that uh, Nice reportedly made an inquiry for Spurs defender Davinson Sanchez. Now, Davinson Sanchez did captain the side in that win against Preston in the FA Cup. Bearing in mind, I mean, you look at That Spurs, might also have been a bit of a giveaway, I think, as to where his future lies, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say... the armband on somebody. It's yeah, the armband on somebody and the fact that he's involved in the FA Cup. Do you think it's... Highly unlikely, Lowell. He leaves the club this window, basically. Yeah, I don't see him leaving. I think Tottenham's centre-back options stay as they are. Uh, and the same would be said for Tanganga as well. I think he would like to go and play more regularly somewhere else. But I think Tottenham play three centre-halves, so they need options. And 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 Conte did say at the beginning of the window, didn't he, that he was happy with his centre-back options and that that would look to stay settled. And I think the worst thing Tottenham could do now is to start selling centre-backs. <laughs> and, you know, they need to keep a settled... Uh, a settled options in those three positions. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think the defensively, in the last couple of games, Tottenham have looked a bit more assured than they have in recent weeks. So they need to settle down. And the way the way that you do that is by keeping them all there. Um, do we have any updates, Loyal, on uh, Tongi and Dombele and Giovanni Nacelso? I think this is a question we, we've asked quite uh, consistently throughout this window. And from, from what we've we've heard, not, nothing much has really changed. But we know with Giovanni Nacelso, there was uh, a clause in that loan move to Villarreal that if an offer had come in for Spurs, they would be able to to uh, terminate that loan with Villarreal and accept that offer. And then uh, in Dombele, um in Italy, that there was an option to there's an option to make that permanent. Do you know, is there any change in, in those situations or is it just a waiting game for the summer? Yes, yeah, summer. Summer. And then regular on Winks as well. I mean, we've just seen Winks actually start playing games now. It's been a frustrating period for him, Low, obviously, of course, yeah. with Sam Dombella. Right. I mean, it's one of those where I'm sure he would like to have had more game time to really impose himself and maybe I'll be trying to earn a Premier League move maybe come the summer. What do you think the future does hold for Winks? Do you think he will eventually get himself a move away from Tottenham back in the Premier League? Difficult to say. Well, it is difficult to say, isn't it? Because he's had such a long injury and he's, I mean, he's back playing now. It's great to see him back and finally getting his chance at Sampdoria. Um, so, yeah, it's just for him, it's just about building up his um, building up his game time again, isn't it? And getting back to the level that he was at before. So let's see if he can do that in, in the rest of the season in, in Syria. Um, if he can, then then great. He comes back to Spurs in the summer, doesn't he, with a, 
with a certain amount of a, of a, a clean slate of fresh start, really, you know, obviously there's a lot to be decided at Spurs again, right? You know, mm. they might they yeah. might even be a new manager there next year. So, you know, I think for Harry Winks's point of view, it's it's do do his very best at Sampdoria and build himself back up to the to the level that he was at, and then um, see see who's around in the summer and if um, if they want him there or not. Before Matty asked you about Harry Kane's contract, I mean, interesting you say that about who knows what the summer does hold. Uh, Sergio Reguilon, a player that Conte seemed to have decided wasn't for him. He opted for uh, Ryan Sessegnon, keeping the faith of Ryan Sessegnon. I think it's fair to say that that's testing <laughs> the Spurs fan base at the moment in terms of Ryan Sessegnon. I think we all felt maybe there was a real potential there, but um, I don't know if it's down to the fact that he doesn't want to stretch those hamstrings out too far and he's had issues with them in the past that we don't haven't ever yet seen the quite capable best of Cess. Um decision making so bizarre because when I, I know you followed him quite closely, Lyle, with your connections with Fulham, and I know you watched him and he was remarkable. And I remember you saying to us, you know, we might have a real fine player there. Again, you have to wait and see how they develop in the Premier League. Uh, have you been surprised, Lyle, that maybe he hasn't massively kicked on? I mean, many will argue that obviously he's played under Conte. Conte seems to like him. What do you think of Sessignon very quickly? Just because, again, you've watched this guy up close for many years, as I said, based on the Fulham connections as well. Well, he's, he's still a really talented lad, but it's um, I think for him, it's been having a running consistent games. You know, he's obviously in and out of the team um, with Perisic. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's what I think he would need. But obviously, obviously, you have to show yourself, don't you? You know, you have to reach that that that, that top level to keep yourself in the team every week as well. So it's a, you know, it's a balancing act. There's a bit bit of um, a bit of you got know, given given give and take on both sides, really. So, um, yeah, it's. It'd be interesting to see how he does in the rest of the rest of the year, mm. Ryan Sessegnon. I mean, he is a talented player, and he and I know he works really hard in the summer as well to um, to to put those injury uh, injury problems behind him. He worked with uh, like a, a, a sort of a specialist coach to build uh, for sort of conditioning coach to build his strength and conditioning, and they actually went you know really sort of went um, uh, what's the word? They they really looked at the makeup of his body, I think, and the way that his body is and what needed they needed to strengthen in order to strengthen to stop his injury problems having uh, uh, continuing and, and those hamstring problems continuing and I don't I don't think he's had one um, so far this year so that's obviously worked um, but so for him I think it's just about him playing as much as possible and building up that um, building up his level um, but we'll see I think he's been there a while now hasn't he so it's it's, yep. it's I think Spurs fans uh, for Spurs fans it's about time he um, yeah, he really reached the potential. I think that everybody, everybody heaped on him. Again, that's the problem, though, isn't it, with with young players when there's so much hype around them. You know, you know what's interesting, though. Um, I, I thought the signing of Destiny Adugi was going to really push him and motivate him. That he's got to show to Conte, whoever the manager's going to be, this is going to be my starting place, and you've got to battle me for it. And I, I don't know whether that signing seems to have even knocked him back any further. You know, you think. Again, I'm not sure he's going out there, you know, knowingly trying to not play the best possible football. But from a confidence perspective, I mean, you think with another guy coming in the summer who, to be fair, is getting rave reviews in Italy, that would really spur him on, pardon the pun. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. I can't, mm. argue, I can't argue with that. Yep, yeah. Matt, let's come over to you. Contract time, over to you, mate. Lyle, I hope you didn't think you were going to avoid this question uh, on a Spurs podcast in, in the transfer window. Um, Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. 
Um, look, he's reportedly open to uh, starting these contract talks with Tottenham uh, as we move into the, the final 18 months of that infamous six-year deal that he signed uh, back under Mauricio Pochettino. He's consistently said that, that that his goal in football is to succeed at Spurs, and from what we're hearing, that, that still holds true. Um, but one of the many whirlwinds and roller coasters that we've been on this month uh, as Spurs fans is with regards to, to his future. Is there anything you can tell us uh, about where, where Kane's mind is at or where, where where the club's mind is at and if we might see any any progress in this in the coming weeks? Well, I think those reports were accurate about him. Uh, you know, there's a willingness that's certainly there to sit down and talk about it. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think we're in a situation where, you know, he doesn't want to and, and that's not something that he's thinking about. Um, but it goes, it ties into performance, doesn't it? It ties into, I think, a lot about Antonio Conte and him settling things down as well, or at least who's going to be the manager next year. You know, I think the thing that settled Harry down after the Man City affair was bringing in Conte and and uh, and showing that ambition and... and um, and and you know setting setting some high targets for the team. I mean, last summer was quite interesting because the, the message that I was getting is that Tottenham were were telling players, telling agents, telling even prospective staff um, who would come in and work at the club in, in in higher roles. You know what their what their sort of plan is, and that they, they see the potential for City and and this is the time City and Liverpool to to hit a sort of the need for a transitional season again. I think Liverpool are hitting, hitting that already. And obviously, you know, um, even though Guardiola has now committed his future to City again, I think they've seen an opportunity to try and make themselves the top team in sort of two, three years. So if that's still the target, then that's that's great. That's a great sell to Harry. Um, but I think obviously it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on our Spurs in the Champions League again next year. Who's the manager going to be? As the, Whoever the manager is going to be, are they going to commit to... A, to a long contract, you know, so there's there's clearly a lot to talk about, um, and and I'm sure Harry will be seeking some assurances from Spurs that um, they have some settled plans, um, because obviously Harry Harry Kane has made no secret about wanting to to win top silverware, and he's he's getting on a bit now, isn't he? Um, and so he's probably thinking about you know um, where's the best place going to be going to do that before he before he hangs up his boots in in or whenever that could be five years six years time, so. Um, so yeah, but but I don't think there are any there's any necessarily negative headlines going on at the moment with that. I think there there is a willingness, as I understand it, from all sides to sit down and talk about it and hopefully hopefully progress something as the season goes on. But it's, again, it's all going to de- depend on Conte and depend on Tottenham's performance. I think in the league and in the cups. Well, that's that weekly reassurance uh, that I need uh, at this point on uh, on the future of, of Harry. Glad King. to be glad to oblige. <laughs> Um, uh, just, just one last question for you, Lyle. We make it um, we make it a bit of a, a two-parter. This is the the stage where I usually um, ask the question: How many more incomings do you think we'll see at Spurs? A great fun with Dermot Sheth, uh, your, your wonderful colleague on Wednesday, and watching him squirm as, as he tried to get the answer out for that. But uh, you've already said uh, uh, your your piece on that, so a bit of a two-parter. How many outgoings do you think we might see from Spurs over the next what is it two two and a bit days? And what what are your expectations uh, for Tottenham in the season ahead with the the business we have got done? in this window very good questions very good questions especially the expectations um because it can really go either way can't it i think so to answer your first question obviously i think the, the one we'll see come in will be poro i don't expect to see anything else i think the players that are obviously likely to go out are saw hill and spence um i wouldn't expect necessarily any more to go than that um in terms of expectations for the rest of the season 
Oh, that's such a difficult question. It's such difficult to predict. It really, really is. I mean, it could it could go well, it could go either way, couldn't it? Spurs could get booed out of the FA Cup in the next round. They could get booed out of the Champions League, the first knockout stages, and then they're fighting for a place in the top four for the rest of the season. Maybe that would even suit them to concentrate on the top four for the rest of the season. Who knows? Because, I mean, certainly it suited them last year to be able to concentrate fully on the league and to be able to play the same team every week in every game. You know, he had that core, didn't he? Really sort of 13, 14 players that he could rely on that were playing in every game and playing out of their skins. And that that, that was what kicked them up into the, um, into the Champions League spots. Obviously, then they were coming from further behind. They were even further behind in points and places. So at this point, they're in a much stronger position in terms of points and places, um, which is great for them. Injuries will play a factor. They've really got to be a, a bit more fortunate with injuries than they have been so far because obviously Conte has said that he prefers to have a really, uh, you know, a core group of players that he relies on, right? 13, 14 players, uh, you know, a first team that he wants to settle on that he can play as much as possible. And we've seen what's happened to Spurs when, you know, some of their best players get, get injured, when Bentancourt's been out, when Kulusevski's been out, um, when Richarlison's been out. Um, you know, I think Spurs have suffered from not having these players in the team and or having them on the bench to be able to come on and, and make a difference. So Spurs really need to get lucky from that point of view as well and have their best uh, their best available team and have all the options available. And if they can, if they can do that, then I don't see why Spurs can't finish in the top four and get you know get to the last stages of those competitions, especially the FA Cup. Mm. Uh, you know, an FA Cup final, uh, oh, and, Lyle, you know, a Champions League quarter final, and eleven Premier League. We've seen eleven Premier League sides go out, Lyle, well, of the exactly. FA Cup. What an opportunity! Exactly. What an opportunity! That's but that's potential potential banana skin as well, isn't it? You can get a bit. Um, mm. You know, you can allow a bit of hubris to get the better of you. I think in the FA Cup sometimes. So Spurs need to make sure that that doesn't happen. <laughs> You know, no, uh, that's, you know, it's no good, no good thinking. Well, well, quite a lot of the Premier League teams are out, so we might be in business here. That's not the the right attitude to have because, yeah, any team can slip up in the in the in the FA Cup. But Spurs are a cup team, right? Traditionally, I think I think if Spurs get to the FA Cup final, I think Tottenham fans we have reasons to be very happy. And certainly, if Conte finishes the season with a trophy in his hands, then well, yeah, things will. So that's a completely different looking season to the one that's been looking like for the last few few months, right? Absolutely. I mean, I look, the myself, guys, go on, mate. Go for it. I found myself getting excited today. Um, AC Milan lost 5-2 at home mm. to relegation candidate Sassuolo. So as far as I'm concerned, the treble is on, but while a bit more, more <laughs> level-headed. You know what, but it's the thing, I mean, with Conte, I've got to say, you know, we've got, he's got two FA Cup final, I think two in his last three domestic scenes in England. This is a guy that's won five of the last eight titles available to him. Um, and despite, as you said, like at the very top of the show, you know that maybe the negativity and uncertainty around the club, there is still a lot of positive stuff to happen. You know, we've got the Champions League as Matty just said against AC Milan. We've got the FA Cup draw, which we're going to find out Monday. Hopefully, that's a kind draw. But as Lyle politely points out there, you know, no draw is an easy draw, and we have seen Spurs, of course, go out of the FA Cup only last season um, to lower league opposition. So never, never easy. Um, I think, Lola, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on. You'll be pleased to know the interrogation is over until we do it again <laughs> in the summer. As you know, mate, it's like I say, I've known you for the last seven or eight years. You've always been a diamond coming on to the last one on Spurs. And no, I appreciate it. Listeners, happy really appreciate it. Lola, finally, mate, where can everybody find you across the socials? Where should they be tuning into you? Sky Sports, tell us everything. 
Did that work? Yeah, here we go. That does uh, work. You can find me on Twitter. On yeah, Twitter. I put all my my stories on there, and obviously share a lot of the good stories that we do as well. The Sky Sports News on there. You know, yeah, Sky Sports News Channel Four or Nine, um, SkySports.com, mobile app, tablet app. It's all there. Transfer Center uh, is where uh, you know most of our information goes. So that's really the the digital hub of of the transfer stuff over the next few days is to get yourself into that transfer center, into the live blog there. That will have everything in it. Um, and then, yeah, channel channel 409 as well will be, um, I'm sure will be uh, riveting watching over the next uh, couple of days. Tra- as, you know, I should say as well, transfer deadline day eve, which is what tomorrow is becoming known as, mm. um, it, it's got the potential to be even more, if or just as exciting really as transfer deadline day, because I think the clubs have realised now over the last few years, they need to give themselves that extra day of cushion. So they try and actually get things done tomorrow. So that can be a really exciting day um, tomorrow. Um, and then obviously, if they don't get that, uh, those those sort of first options in by tomorrow, then they've got that extra day just to see what else is out there and who else they can get in. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, um, it's going to be fun. So I need to get a good night's sleep tonight, I think, before the next couple of days. Yeah. No, Mason, always a pleasure having you on. Uh, for me and Matt, the actual yeah. the, the, it doesn't stop for us. Like I say, we are, we are here with you until the deadline day. We've got more coming your way. Say, guys, your commitment to doing uh, podcasts like on a daily as well is 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 fantastic. You know, to, to see that well, you've it's, it's really a bloody, it's great a, guests a, on and we've been yeah, very honestly, lucky, fantastic mate, honestly, commitment. Yeah, yeah, mate. Listen, we've been very lucky. Matt, as always, mate. It's brilliant. Matt's been superb, been co-hosting a lot of last one on Spurs' shows throughout this January win- uh, throughout this January window. Just a shame that me and Matt haven't had much more to report on Lyle. Not your fault, of course, but just the nature of the window. We just got lots of angry, frustrated Spurs fans with us saying, why aren't we doing more? Why isn't it soon enough? And that's why I let Matt, Matt answer these questions. Matt, why is it the case we're not doing more? Why is it that? Beats me. Beats me. I don't, I don't know. Just, just Listen, a, I'd love to come on here and say, oh, suddenly this is happening and isn't that fantastic? And da, 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 da. But I'm not, not going to just do that do that uh like you said for the sake of it and um i'm happy to be the fall guy if, <laughs> if what i'm saying is uh is too um too logical i, do, I just feel bad Lars had to play the fall guy for the last seven or eight years at some point he is gonna at some point Lars gonna turn around these next seven or eight years say rick i just can't do this anymore i can't get this fall guy for you but um, yeah, until cool. that point mate we always love having you on. So again, mate, thank you so much for your time and um, we're gonna look forward to welcoming back Lars in the summer where who knows where Spurs will be, in what form, in what format, we shall wait to see. But um, Matt, thank you so much again, mate. We are back very, very soon, Matt. I'll probably leave it on that iceberg, Matt, right? That little cliffhanger there, Matt? Yeah, yeah. I'll just stay sitting here. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the next one. <laughs> well, that's it from myself, from Matty, from Lyle. Guys, keep safe, keep well as we enter. As Lyle says there, deadline day eve. But from all of us, keep safe, keep well, and as always, come on you Spurs. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.